All right, back to school. Yeah. No, this is good school. This is your higher education. This is discipleship 101. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you automatically enter into a school of higher learning. It's called the the University of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. Uh, It's the highest learning you could ever have or be part of. A lot of people, I believe in education. I think it's wonderful that people have doctorates and master's degrees and uh, bachelor's degrees. And that's a wonderful thing. I believe in education. However, I believe that the most important thing in your life is to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I believe that his priority in our lives is not just to be a churchgoer or not just to be a good person or not just to try to do the right things. His goal for your life and my life is that we would be disciples, followers that are completely committed to Jesus, that they would know his authority and lordship in in our personal lives. And I've been sharing for the last few weeks several aspects of what I believe is discipleship from the Scripture. One is a disciple follows. That's what we do. We are following Jesus. That is the goal. We're not following anybody else. We're not following trends. We're not following a certain politician. We're not following a certain type of style. We follow Jesus. He's the first one we follow. We also said that a disciple is a person who consumes the Word of God, that this is the manual, the manufacturer's manual. This is what we base our lives on. This is God's guidebook for our lives. A disciple does something called, uh, it's called obedience, He's completely committed. Uh, last, I believe it was last week I was sharing that a disciple knows who he is in Christ and he knows who he would be without Christ. And he has to know those two things. In Christ, we're new people. All things have passed away. New opportunity. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have the favor of God in our lives. We have salvation. We have his grace. We have his mercy. But without Christ, we are lost. Good morning. I hope you're found this morning. A disciple is a servant. A disciple will have less to do more. I'm not going to talk about that. I talked about last week. A disciple will receive rebukes. I will talk about that this morning. And lastly, I, I shared that a disciple will never compare himself with another disciple or with another person. We are not supposed to compare ourselves our lives, our ministries, what we do with other people. You follow Jesus, just like Jesus told Peter that he was going to follow him, that he was going to die as a martyr. And then Peter said, what about, you know, this guy, John? He says, mind your own business, you follow me. Would you say that to somebody this morning? Mind your own business, you follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. It doesn't matter if your husband's following Jesus and you are, you're not, or your, your wife is following, or you're following and your husband's not, or you're, whatever. You follow Jesus. Good morning. Are you with me? Uh, last year, my wife and I made a, a very important decision for our family. We decided to homeschool our, our younger son, AJ, and... Um, it was actually a kind of a difficult decision that we made, but and I would say this: um, it's homeschooling is not for every parent, but for us with our son AJ, it has been one of the most wonderful things that has happened in his life. 
also in Emily's life, that, that's wonderful. Uh, we have a daughter that goes to regular school, and she's not homeschooled. And the reason being is because if both of my children were home and homeschooled, they'd probably kill each other. So we decided to send one to school. That's a joke. You, you are allowed to laugh. They would not. And actually, he receives a wonderful education. We, there was a, a Canadian gentleman that used to teach in the uh, Northwest Territories to indigenous groups, and he was tutoring my son in math. We have an electrical engineer that now tur- tutors my son in math, and uh, Maria has helped my son in geography and history, and I am his science teacher. I'm not that bad, eh? You know, I'm not that, not that. And Maya, actually, my, my wife, Maya, was a secondary school teacher in Baja, California, and she's teaching him Spanish. And um, it's just been wonderful. It's been wonderful not to only to see him grow in his education, but to be able to disciple him, to see him grow as a young man in his faith in Christ and just maturing. Even though he's 13, he's growing up, taking on more responsibility. And speaking about that, he is a disciple. We are discipling our children. A a disciple is teachable. Are you teachable? Are you teachable? You know that saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'm kind of old, but I still want to learn a new thing or two. A disciple is teachable. Um, Now, personally, I love to read books. I like to watch different conference speakers and preachers preach. I go on internet and I look at those things and I think they're just wonderful things to add to our lives and get more information. However, I truly believe this. I firmly believe in order to be a disciple, books, sermons, online teachings are not enough. I do not believe they're not. I believe you have to have personal contact and intimacy with another person. I really do believe in mentorship. I believe in people actually being in your life and rubbing shoulders with you in order so you can grow. I believe that's the plan of God. Uh, I believe we should have mentors. Now, the word mentor is not in the Bible, but the whole concept of mentorship is there. People being together, learning, an apprentice with a person that's older, wiser. Actually, parenting is mentorship. When you parent your child, you are the old elder, you are the one that's leading and guiding, correcting, encouraging. Those are the first mentors in our lives. And unfortunately, in our society, most of our problems are because there hasn't been good parenting. There has not been good mentorship in children's lives. The parents are separated. Uh, there's no one actually speaking into their lives. Sometimes they just fill their kids with so many activities that they never get to talk to them or ask them how they feel or what's going on in their lives. We made a decision when we, were, we started having children. I told my wife, you are going to be home with the kids. Good morning. And I've known a lot of couples that have said, we, we can't afford it. I, I'm going to tell you, you can't afford not to have influence in your kids' lives. Uh, mo- young mothers that are at home with your kids, God bless you. Those formative years, you know, from birth to five, very important, very important that you spend that quality time with your children. It'll, be, it'll either make or break them. What is a mentor? Well, it's actually someone that you look up to. It's a teacher, someone who can give you advice. It's a role model. It's usually somebody who's older than you or has more experience than you. Uh, and what a mentor says should have weight and authority in your lives. Um, there are many examples of mentors in the Bible. Elijah and Elijah, 
John the Baptist and his disciples. Uh, many of John the Baptist's disciples became Jesus' disciples. Here's another principle. Mentors will be in your life for a season. They'll be in your life for a season. Some are in a season that are longer, some are shorter, but God will bring different mentors into our lives that will help us move and grow in our faith. Um, the Apostle Paul had Timothy. He had Titus. He mentored these, these people. And I want to share an example from the Bible that kind of amazed me, and it's about Moses. Moses had a mentor. Uh, Moses, when he fled Egypt, he ran away, went to the desert, and uh, he actually married uh, a Midianite woman, and her father's name was Jethro. And the name Jethro means friend of God. And his other name, uh, actually, Jethro actually means a, a covering overhang. He had another name, Reuel, which means a friend of God. And Jethro means either a remnant or a overhang, a covering. So Moses was there, and he actually worked for his father-in-law for a very short period of time. It was 40 years. They said that Jethro, he was the priest of Midian. Now, I looked up that word priest. It actually means a governor or ruler or a religious leader. And I thought, now, who is this guy, Jethro? Where did he come from? What did he believe? He was actually a descendant of Abraham. He was one of the uh, descendants of Abraham. He wasn't through Isaac, but one of, other, one of the other sons of Abraham actually was his great-great-grandfather. And so Moses, I believe, was discipled by Jethro. And I'm going to share a few scriptures that I believe show this principle in his life. The first one is Exodus 12. I'm sorry, Exodus 18. It says this, Then Jethro, 18.2, Moses' father-in-law brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. We see Jethro performing a priestly service here. He is a religious leader. Moses is with him, also Aaron, who would become the, high, the priest. Moses deeply honored and, respect, and respected his father-in-law. Now, in our society today, I believe it's become in vogue to disrespect. Disrespect any authority figure. You see it in television programs. You see it on, on news magazine things. Shows, and this is, this is what I'm seeing, shows that used to be like Father Knows Best. Da, 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 da. Do you remember that? Does anybody here got a little bit of nostalgia? You know, and Father Knew Best. Robert Young, he just had all this wisdom, and he loved his wife, and he, you know, guided his kids. Well, now, you know, now the male figure in most sitcoms or, or caricatures, he's an idiot. He's, he's always being duped. He's a jerk. He's a dummy. He's only just thinking about number one. And he's just making very stupid decisions. And we all think it's so funny. But really, it's a lack of respect. It's in vogue to find out what's wrong with some sort of leader. Whether it's a religious leader, a political leader. It's like, let's find out what's wrong. It's in vogue. Let's criticize somebody. Is this guy wrong or right? Police, officials. 
everyone's become a critic. Now, I'm not saying that we should not call something wrong that's wrong or we shouldn't hold people accountable. We should. But we shouldn't be in this thing that we're always criticizing authority. All authority is from God. We need to honor and respect authority. We need to give honor to whom honor is due. We need to respect people. And Moses had a great respect for his father-in-law. In Exodus 4.18... Moses had just had his encounter with God. He saw God in the burning bush. Have you seen the movie? Charlton Heston. Have you seen Prince of Egypt? Have you seen it? If you haven't seen Prince of Egypt, I highly recommend it. The scene that he's at the burning bush, it just gives me goosebumps because it really is an incredible encounter with God. So Moses, after working 40 years for his father-in-law, has this face-to-face encounter with God. And God tells Moses to go back to Egypt and let my people go. Let my people. That's a great song. Anyway, so Moses gets this divine call from God. And the first thing he does. Exodus 4.18. Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, You know what, bub? I'm leaving. It's over. I got a new job. It says in the New International Version, let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them, any of them are still alive. Jethro said, go, and I wish you well. Basically, Moses defers and honors Jethro. This is very important. He has a call from God, but he goes to this man that has mentored and covered and hired him for the last 40 years. He took care of his sheep for over 40 years. And he goes to this man. What is that? That's called honoring. That's called respecting. That's called communicating. I've heard a lot of people say to me, God spoke to me, and I need to do this. Now, I don't know if you've had this experience. When someone, If someone tells you God spoke to me, they basically have shut the door to any human opinion. It's God. I know it's God. I'm going to marry him. God spoke to me. I had a dream. Oh, brother. Did you eat a pizza down at that place there? What what did you eat last night? Oh, I know it's God. You do. Really? You're 100% sure it's God? Yes. And no one can tell me otherwise. You better be careful. Good morning. Are you awake now? Are you awake now? I hope you are. Whoops. I'm almost awake. I almost got killed right there. Anyway, okay. Are you awake? He defers to this person. I hope there's somebody in your life that can say, you know what? I don't think that's a go. Or, or, you know, come to me and let me know. I hope you have a person or two like that in your life. I've heard people say that. You know, I'm supposed to do this. I'm going up to the United States to work. I, I, well, how do you know? No, I, I know. It's, I have to do it. Well, you're, you're going illegally. Uh, uh, are you sure? Oh, yeah, I know. And, you know, I, I'm saying, I've told people, don't go. And they've gone anyway, and then they got beat up by the police at the border and lost all their money. And, I mean, it was terrible. So important to honor and respect people. Very important. I honor it. Here, I feel so privileged because there are people 
uh, as old as my father, as old as my mother, I really appreciate them being here because they have experience and they have knowledge and they've gone through things that I have not gone through. My kids have not started dating yet. My daughter hasn't brought a guy home. Well, she wants to, but she can't. She's 15. Anyway, I haven't gone through that, but I am so glad that there are people that have gone through that, that I could say, hey, will you pray for me or will you give me some advice how to handle my daughter or how to handle my son or how to do this? Is anybody with me this afternoon? I'm so glad that there's someone to mentor me and tell me, give me a piece of advice. I believe in honoring respect. I I want to interject something here, though. I do not believe that pastors and Christian leaders have this all-powerful thing that they can tell people what to do and and what not to do. I do not believe in that. You are responsible for the decisions you make. There was a, a thing called the shepherding movement in the 70s where basically some pastors could tell you you couldn't marry somebody or you shouldn't go there or what job to take or things like that. I I believe that is beyond the authority of a pastor. Now, I believe a pastor could say to you, I really don't think you should do that. But I don't think you can't. You don't have God's blessing. I don't believe that. I've heard people say this, and the, the abuse goes on and on. If you don't offer right now, you're missing God's blessing. That's called manipulation. We're not going to do that here. We want to encourage you to follow Jesus. We want, we want to encourage you to hear his voice in your heart. I want to encourage you to walk with God. I want to encourage you to be blessed. I want to encourage you to walk on the path that he has for you. And I hope every mentor does that for people. We're not here to abuse anybody. We're here to help you. And that's what we want to do for one another, help one another. A disciple can be corrected. This is interesting. Um, Moses, great man, most humble man on the face of the earth. Every day, people that have a problem or complaint are coming to him. There's two million people. We only have about 250 or or 300, and there's enough complaints and problems that come to my day. I don't, you know, I cannot imagine having two million people coming to me with all their problems. And in Exodus 18, 15 through 17, uh, Jethro basically says to him in verse 14, what are you doing? And then Moses answered him. He says, because the people come to me and seek God's will, whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instruction. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. Would you say to someone this morning, just, just humor me. What you're doing, say to someone, what you're doing is not good. Maya, what you're doing is not good. That felt good, didn't it? Now, wait a minute. Now, think about it. There is absolutely no malice in Moses' heart. He is doing a very good thing. He's serving people with his whole heart. People are coming to him. He's giving them advice. He's deciding between disputes. And Jethro, who's been a leader for years and years and years and worked with his tribe, he says, you know what? You're going to burn yourself out. You cannot do it that way. You need to train other people. You need to do other things. What you're doing is not good. And Moses was corrected by his father-in-law, and it helped him. 
that helped him. You know, I mean, when you get a piece of advice, when you're corrected, it's to help you. It's not to hurt you. It's to help you. Have you ever received a piece of advice that kind of hurt it, hurt when you heard it, but it really did help you? Or am I the only one? Yeah, it helped. It helps. Sometimes someone confronts you and say, you know, you're really making a big mistake here. Let me help you out. Oh, no, you know, I don't know. I, I got it under control. I can do it. Don't worry about it. I got it. You just take care of your own stuff. Let, leave it up to me. I got it under control. All right. Who can correct you? If you don't have a person in your mind right now that someone can correct you, you need somebody that can correct you. You need someone that you can honor and trust that can correct you. I mean, we all love the pats on the back. Good job. I love those. You're doing great. You're so awesome. Boy, that was wonderful what you did. You're, and it's good. I believe in encouragement. We need to, you know, heap it on. And we need to say, you're great. God made you an individual. You have gifts and talents. God has a plan for your life. Man, I believe in you. You're going to go far. Hey, you know what? You need to come here on time. Uh, you know what, uh, you're, you need to change your attitude because you can't be complaining all the time. You need to change. Good morning. We need people in our lives that know us, K-N-O-W, and can N-O us. Tell us no. They know us and they can know us. I, I love that saying. We need people in our lives that know us and can know us. We know each other. And we know each other. What do you think, Maya? No. Okay, that's fine. What do you think, honey? No. Don't go. Okay. I have a couple of people that are my no and no people. One of them is my pastor, Pastor Dwight. Another one is a dear man, George Wakeling. And some of them are, are some of you here sitting in these chairs told me things. You should do it this way. And I, I, I listen. I'm not the best listener, but I, I do listen. I do hear. In Titus 1.9, um, there's encouragement that, that Paul gives to Titus. He tells him, hold fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he may be a, a, able to both exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. Now, to exhort means to strongly advise by argument. I exhort you not to do that. I do this with my kids a lot. I'm, I'm telling you, don't do that. Don't stand in a puddle barefoot and stick in the light. Don't do that. Don't be running with, a, with a, uh, one of those suckers in your mouth. Don't run down the stairs with the baby. Refute means to prove wrong by argument. A mentor is a person who will not just tell you good, but will also correct the things that need to be corrected. You need accountability. I need accountability. I need someone to say, you know, am I doing this right? Am I handling this situation right? Are we doing the right thing? Are we investing in the right way? Is this the correct thing to do? I'm, I'm always checking my instruments and checking to see if I'm on the right path. Nobody likes a know-it-all. Nobody. The most insecure people in the world know everything. The older I get, I realize this. 
There's a lot of things I just don't know. The more I know, the more I realize what I do not know. But the things that I do know, I know. The older I get, I realize there's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of things about construction I do not know. There's a lot of things about electricity I do not know. Plumbing is easy. Water runs downhill. I know that. There's a lot of things I do not know, but what I do know, I know. I know if I'm faithful to my wife and I protect my marriage, we are going to have a happy, healthy life and our kids are going to be protected. I know that. I know that if I put God first in my life and if I pray and I seek him and I, I listen to his word and I read it, my life is going to be successful and I am going to complete the plan of God in my life. I know that. I know that if I'm obedient, when God tells me to do something, there will be a blessing in it, even though my mind cannot comprehend it. I know that. I know that from experience. And I always want to obey his voice. I know that. I know what I know. I don't know everything, but the things I know, I do know. That's why older people are a little bit grumpy. So don't do that. That's why I have mentors. People that when I don't know something, I say, I, I don't know what's best at this moment. What should I do? And I try to learn from them. My friend George, he's 76 years old. He's been involved in many ministries in Southern California. He has a lot of experience. His kids are in ministry. He's a mentor because I want my life to be like his life. He's gone before me. He's, he's gone through hurdles I haven't gone through. I want to learn from him. You need a person like that. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to be in 20 years? Where are you? What do you want for your children in the next 15 years? What do you want? Who's going to teach you? How are you going to get there? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first Jesus Christ. Seek first the author and completer of your faith. Have your priorities right. If you have the priorities right in your life, if you have the foundations right in your life, your building is going to be strong. It's going to weather the storm. Your marriage is going to be good. Your kids are going to be protected. Your grandkids are going to be blessed. If your foundation is right. But if your foundations are your feelings, if your foundations are, are what they say on television, if your foundation is the magazine as you go out through Mega and they tell you all this great and wonderful advice about your sex life, about your money life, and about the, if that's your foundation, when your building falls, it's because your foundation was faulty. There's a foundation. It's called the Word of God. It is solid. It does not change. Jesus Christ is the rock. He's the cornerstone. If you build upon him, your building is going to be straight. There'll be no falling down. In the storm, you're going to be strong. I used to live in Baja, California, and I used to travel across uh, Tijuana, going down to Colonia Vicente Guerrero. It's about a hundred and 20 miles south of the border. And I used to go by this place called Playas de Tijuana. And in Playas, someone built these beautiful homes that overlooked 
the beach and they were built on a little hill and they could see the ocean and they made all these houses kind of like Dinamica makes, you know, all these homes. And everyone was happy. They bought a lot of these homes. But within two or three years, some of the houses that were built, you know, the good Mexican style they built together, they began to separate. And not just one or two, I mean several. And what had happened was the foundations were faulty. The buildings were condemned. And they had to be knocked down. Friend, please get on the foundation. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on the rock. Be a disciple. Learn from him. Get a mentor. Get into the word. Be a disciple. Discipleship costs. It will cost you something. Now, I believe this. Jesus Christ paid the price for salvation. You can never pay for your sins. If you committed adultery, there's nothing you can do to change and make that better. You could try to smooth it over, you could, but you, there's only one remedy for sin. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he who never sinned, he became sin. He took on his flesh every wrong thing we did, every lie, every cheating, every time we stole, every time we've done something wrong, all that fell on Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. You and I cannot make it better. You cannot give enough money to be right with God. You cannot do enough good deeds to be right with God. You can't say you're sorry enough to be right with God. The only way we're right with God is accepting Jesus' perfect sacrifice for our wrongdoing. Are you with me this morning? That's, that, that's Bible. I'm preaching good. I'm patting myself on the back. Okay. It will co- but your discipleship following Jesus Christ will cost you something. How many here are married? It costs. It costs. It costs time. It costs effort. It costs energy. It costs money. It costs getting along with your mother-in-law. It costs having your children. It costs getting up at night. It costs paying the bills. It costs buying the makeup. It costs taking her to the doctor. It costs doing this. It costs being a wife to a man who doesn't understand her feelings. It costs washing the clay. It costs... That relationship costs. It's totally worth it. In my case, it is totally worth it. I will pay the price to be married to this woman for the rest. It's totally worth it. The relationship is worth it. If you want to be a disciple with Jesus, it's going to cost you something. Salvation is a freebie. Receive it. Embrace it. But I'm going to tell you something. Following Jesus will cost you something. It is totally worth it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a theologian during the Second World War. He was a German. He had the opportunity to stay in the United States during the Nazi regime, and he decided to go back to Germany. He, he had decided to start something called the Confessing Church. What had happened was Adolf Hitler took control over all the denominations. All of them swore allegiance to Adolf Hitler. Whatever he said was the word of God. And Bonhoeffer said, no, we cannot accept. The church is not the church. He says, we are the confessing church. We're confessing Jesus Christ. 
Well, most of the church is just to kind of get along and, you know, things are going pretty good in Nazi Germany in the 30s. And they said, no, we can, you know, we'll just follow, you know, he's, the economy's good. We're winning the battles. Hi, Hitler. Bonhoeffer said no. In fact, he was involved in a plot to kill Adolf Hitler. And he ultimately died a martyr just two weeks before the Second World War ended. His book, The Cost of Discipleship, has become a classic. But more than anything, it's really his life that he said, I'm not going to bow my knee to Baal. I'm not going to serve any other God besides Jesus Christ. And he said this, Only he who believes is obedient. And only he who is obedient believes. Only he who believes is obedient, and only he who obeys believes. Do you want to know if you really believe? Then you obey. That's true belief. That's true faith. If Jesus tells you to do something and you do it, you are obeying and you believe. There's a cost. Jesus said there was a cost. Luke 9, 23, he was saying to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Good morning. Will you say someone, good morning? Put a smile on your face. Good morning. If you want to follow Jesus, you get this cross, you kill yourself and follow him. Wonderful. Isn't that... Put, I truly believe God wants to bless our lives. I, I, we've experienced so much of God's blessing in our lives. Day after day, we see his blessing. Day after day, we see him provide for us. Day after day, we see him doing changes in our lives. But I can say this. We have not been perfect, but we have obeyed. When God has told us to do something, we've been obedient. When we felt something in our heart to make a sacrifice, to do something that God called us to do, we've done it. It brings blessing. It brings... John 12, 25. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What, what does this mean? I'm going to just try to put it as clearly and as bluntly as possible. We can't be dancing around on the fence, folks. You're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. You either love Jesus Christ and believe his word or you don't. You either say that he's the master and Lord of your life and that you're going to follow what he tells you to do. Or you're really just going to kind of try to do the buffet method. Well, I like a few things of Jesus. But, you know, that one thing about... You know, uh, forgiving, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I can't forgive him, so I'm not, I'll just, I'll come to church. That thing about honoring, and well, no, I don't, I don't like him, so I'm not. Either you love God, and you say, God, you're right, and I'm wrong, and I'm going to follow you. That's dying. That's dying to your will. That's dying to your good ideas. That's dying to the world. That's, die, that's the death that God's talking about, dying to those things. That's what it means. What he says goes. He's the boss. He's a great boss. He's a great boss. But it costs. You go to a job, it costs. You have to get up on time, go there, obey what the boss says, do what he tells you to do, work hard, do this. But there's a reward. 
Let me tell you, there is a reward. There is a reward. How many like rewards? How many have these credit cards? How many have air miles? Isn't that nice? You know, you go there, I got a free flight, you know. I mean, they charge you the other 25 or 30 bucks for the flight. But still, you know, you got, I got points. I got a reward. How many have ever won something? You get a reward. You know, you're kind of, that's cool. You know, that's awesome. Or you worked a long time and you get this plaque of recognition. They give you a trip here or there. I mean, that's really nice to get a reward. Uh, discipleship brings rewards. Following Jesus and being one of his pupils brings reward. This is what I love Peter. Peter just says everything that comes to his mind. He said, you know, Jesus just had said to, about this guy that wanted to follow him. He says, you know, unless you sell everything, you cannot be my disciple. And the guy went away sad. And then, then Peter looked at Jesus. He said, hey, uh, Jesus, we've left everything and have followed you. How ghost, right? You know, that's pretty good. You know? But I like Peter. He says what he thinks. He's, and then he says, Jesus, we've left there. And they did. They left their homes. They left their wives. They left their business. They are following Jesus around for three years. They left their kids and family. And Jesus tells them this. Truly, I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus says, you know, if you follow me, I will reward you. He's not saying it's a primrose lane, but he's saying if you've left father, mother, and I've, we've experienced that. I remember just, I bought a VW Bug 18 years ago in Los Angeles. I got rid of my little sporty car, and I got rid of all this, and I, I bought a 1970 Volkswagen. And I loaded it up with a guitar and my Bible and my clothes, and I drove down from L.A. down to Topeka to work in a missionary base there. And I made a two-year commitment thinking, I, I don't know how long this is going to be. I left it. I left my parents. I left my friends. I left... My job, I left it. You know what? God has blessed us so much. I, I am so blessed. I will not trade my life for anybody's. I have a great life. I get to do things that everybody thinks, oh, that is so great. It's so awesome that you've done that. Boy, I really like to do what you do. And yeah, you know, but, you know, sell all your things and put everything you have in a VW bug and leave home and leave your friends and leave your job and do, you know, there's a cost, but there's a reward. Are you with me this morning? But you know what? Here's the real reward. It's not the people. It's not the homes. It's not the money. It's not only just seeing success or seeing things happen. The reward is this. Jesus is the reward. Jesus is the reward. He is the prize. We, we live in a very temporary world, and we're fighting for temporary stuff. 
we, we fight for accolades, we fight for a position, we fight for material possessions and nice cars and homes and things and, and, and maybe another plaque on the wall. Your plaques are going to rust. The car is going to fall apart. The home will decay. Your body will slowly wear down. Sorry. But there's a prize. There's an inheritance for you. It's eternal. It's a, there's a home for you, eternal, in the heavens. In Deuteronomy 18, Moses was dividing up the promised land amongst the tribes. And God said this about the priests. God said the priests will not have an inheritance among their countrymen. The Lord is their inheritance as he promised them. Now, I read that verse, and I thought, boy, that's kind of chintzy. All the other tribes are getting big chunks of land, and they're getting houses that they didn't build, and vineyards they didn't plant, and they're getting, you know, livestock, and they're getting this. And then the priest, you get the Lord. The Lord? What, what can I do with the Lord? You know, I mean, I want, can I drive the Lord? Can I live in the Lord? Can I? That's just earthly thinking. Eternal life starts today. Here. Where are you going to spend eternity? Some of us here... might have 20,000 days left on this planet Earth. Some of us have less than 10,000 days. Some of us have 3,000. Some of us may have a week. I'm not talking about your age. We don't know. We don't know. One thing is certain, we are not going to be here. And it's sooner than you think. Good morning. Aren't you happy you came to church If you know Jesus, you have an inheritance. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. In his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. There is a realm that's not physical, it's spiritual, it's real, it's eternal. The things that we see are temporal. The things that are eternal are not seen. Are you living for the things that are seen? Are you living for the things that are eternal? I want to encourage you, live for the eternal things. If you live for the eternal things, you will see things happen in the material. But the real prize is Jesus, the lover of your soul, the author and finisher of your faith, the one who died for you, the one who says, with eternal love, I have loved you. He's the author. He's the finisher. He's the healer. He's the provider. He's the victor. He's overcome every trial and difficulty. And only he can bring you safely to the heavenly kingdom. Will you stand with me this morning? We are all on a journey. We've all paid a price. Wherever we are today, you have paid a price to be where you're at. 
And I do not believe that it's a coincidence that you are here this morning. I believe what I've shared this morning is the word of the Lord. But it it deserves a response. It deserves something that says, you know, God, I really do believe. He who obeys believes, and he who believes obeys. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? Father, your word says to set our minds on the things above, not on the things that are on earth, because we have died. We have identified ourselves with Jesus. And our lives are hidden in him. Jesus, you are the prize. If I were to ask you this morning, if you were to part... If you were to depart from the earth today, do you know where your eternal dwelling is? If you can't answer that question, yes, assuredly, I want to tell you how you can be sure. The scripture says that all who believe in him, to all who have received them, who have received him, Jesus... He gave them the privilege and the right to become children of God. You need to receive Jesus Christ. Not Jesus Christ the teacher. Not Jesus Christ the prophet. Not Jesus Christ the nice guy that just gives you everything you want. You have to receive Jesus Christ, the only son of God. The only one who could die for your sins. The only way. The only truth. The only life. If you receive him and say, Jesus, I give you my life and take control of it, and I will follow you. I renounce myself. I renounce my ways, and I cling to your ways. I want to be your disciple. I want to do your will. If you believe in Christ, the Bible says you are a new person, and old things have passed away and things become new.